Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for downloading. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like me to leave the Justice Department, you can ask me to via Twitter at Boogie Bumper. That should give you some indication about what we're going to talk about today. It's been a couple of busy days over the weekend and on Monday. And there's a couple of issues that I want to go over and dive into. And maybe we can theorise a little bit about what's to come. Last night on Trust and Verify, myself and my co-host James R. were discussing the Democrat strategy, the big Democrat plan for removing the president, Donald Trump. It's multifaceted and it's organised. And whether or not it's successful, well, that depends on the voters, really. But I thought we'd dive in and maybe go a little bit deeper on this topic. But let's start off with the news that ex-acting AG Matthew Whitaker leaves Justice Department from the New York Times. Former Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker has left the Justice Department. Justice Department spokeswoman Kerry Kupek said Whitaker's last day was Saturday. Whitaker was replaced last month when William Barr was confirmed as Attorney General. He became a counsellor in the Associate Attorney General's office. Democrats criticised Whitaker for past negative comments about the special counsel's Russia probe. The House Judiciary Committee's chairman said Whitaker didn't offer clear responses about his communications with the White House when he testified last month. Whitaker agreed to return to clarify his testimony. So once again, the Democrats get their man. They didn't. They weren't happy with Matthew Whitaker being in the role that he was in. They were a little less upset when William Barr took over the job. If you cast your mind back, they said Whitaker is illegitimate. Whitaker has been too critical of the Russia probe. He's dangerous. He can't be in that job. He's got to go. Well, for whatever reason, one reason or another, that exact scenario has now come to pass. He may have his reasons, other people may have had reasons, maybe he jumped, maybe he pushed, he was pushed, but in the end, the outcome is what it is. And Matthew Whitaker is no longer present. A lot of people had their hopes pinned on this guy. He said all the right things, didn't he? He was aggressive, he was outspoken. It appeared that he had the president's back. And it's one less person now that he's gone that does have the president's back. Isolation. Heading into the presidential campaign 2020, I believe it's not secret knowledge that the Democrats are trying to operate mainly on two fronts to intimidate and isolate the inner circle of Donald Trump, which we'll get into next, and to castrate his most powerful surrogates, 
outside of the inner circle. We also got this news over the weekend. US House panel issues 81 document requests in Trump obstruction probe. A US congressional panel said on Monday that it had served document requests on 81 government agencies, entities and individuals as part of an investigation into alleged obstruction of justice and other abuses by Donald Trump and others. Among those targeted by the Democrat-led House Judiciary Committee are the President's sons, Don Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, WikiLeaks, White House aide and Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg, former U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and former White House Counsel Don McGahn. Everybody is in the sights. Quote, we have seen the damage done to our democratic institutions in the two years that the Congress refused to conduct responsible oversight. Congress must provide a check on abuses of power. That's Jerry Nadler. Note he didn't say alleged abuses of power. Putting the cart before the horse, putting the conclusion before the evidence. Back to the article. Among the committee's aims is determining whether Trump may have obstructed justice by ousting perceived enemies at the Justice Department, such as former FBI Director James Comey, and abused his presidential power by possibly offering pardons (laughs) or tampering with witnesses. Republicans in Congress accuse Democrats of pursuing an impeachment agenda as part of a political strategy to reclaim the White House in in the 2020 election. Well, that's obvious. It's been reported lately that the Mueller probe is about to wrap up, that it's nearly done, that we are merely days away from Robert Mueller presenting his findings. Whether or not it becomes public knowledge, who's to say? People have said that, you know, the report will be leaked. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is obviously down to who is the person leaking it. Because if somebody against the president, say more Democrat, is leaking the Mueller report, then it's not going to they're not going to be leaking exculpatory evidence. They're not going to be leaking the parts that say Donald Trump did not collude with Russia. They're going to be leaking particular parts which are useful in their campaign for twenty twenty. Last night on Trust and Verify, 80, say 81 document requests. Here's a list, another article, which will be in the show notes so you can read along at home. Here's a, a list of the 81 people being asked to provide some kind of information to the Democrats in this committee. You've got people like Alan Weisselberg. We went over him. How about Brad Pascal? Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica, that one would be obvious. Carter Page, Corey Lewandowski. David Pecker, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Eric Prince, Hope Hicks. Remember Hope Hicks? From this article. Hope Hicks was a longtime employee of Donald Trump. She worked with him for a long time before the 2016 election. From the article, quote, the committee, for example, asks Hicks to produce, quote, any personal or work diary, journal, or any other book containing notes, a record, or a description of daily events related to her long time spent working for Trump prior to and after his election in 2016. 
We said last night on Trust and Verify that the point of the investigations is not necessarily to uncover some kind of truth or corruption. We've seen far too many spokesmen for the for the Democrats, Democrats themselves, their surrogates, make that obvious. When they literally say this is about persuading the public to come to grips with the idea that the president should be impeached. They've already decided. Now, whether or not he is impeached, well, that's a separate argument altogether. But if you can have a cloud of impeachment being fueled by 80 or 60 different investigations heading into an election campaign, you can hear the Democrats already writing their campaign commercials, can't you? President Donald Trump is currently under 60 individual House investigations, ranging from insurance fraud to treason. Can you trust a man like Donald Trump? Vote Democrat 2020, right? You can see it already. Think of the potential circus that you could have with, say, let's use Hope Hicks as an example, somebody who worked for Donald Trump for a long time before 2016. Ms. Hicks! In your personal work diary that you gave to this committee, there is an entry here on the 4th of March 1994 that says you had correspondence with a secretary of a Russian businessman. Can you remember the ins and outs of that conversation and what it might have been pertaining to? And Ms. Hicks would probably quite rightly say, no, I don't, in, I don't remember individual conversations from over 20 years ago. I'm sorry. And then the op-ed writers get to work. Hope Hicks tries to cover up Russian contacts in early 90s. Donald Trump's Russian business dealings come to light as Hope Hicks tries to obstruct investigation. Right? Now, that's just one person. Times it by 80. The former chief of staff, Reince Priebus, is potentially going to get subpoenaed. Michael Flynn, Michael Flynn Jr. Rona Graff, Roger Stone, Ron Lieberman, Sam Noonberg, Ted Malik, Steve Bannon. Not to mention the Trump campaign, the Trump Foundation, the Trump Organization, and the Trump Transition Team. The NRA. It's full-scale war. And I suspect the reason that we're seeing this is because the Democrats perhaps likely know that what is in Robert Mueller's report just isn't going to get it done. It's not going to be enough. Does anyone truly believe that after two years plus of investigating Russia, that the only reason you haven't heard about all of the the so-called evidence of Russian collusion is because nobody's leaked it or because nobody's found it? I was having a conversation with a friend not long ago who said, are you going to stick by what Robert Mueller says? Are you going to respect what Robert Mueller says? And I said, this was maybe a month ago, 
I don't suspect Robert Mueller is going to say anything. But they're going to do their absolute best to move everybody on to a different topic. Now that the Democrats have made it clear that they're going to be investigating Trump's personal businesses as far back as maybe even the late 70s, that they're going to be bringing in personal employees who worked with Donald Trump before he even got close to running for president. So long collusion. Hello, red herring. The other, uh, the other side of this is attacking Donald Trump's supporters in the press, few as they are. Of course, we know the majority of the press leans one way in particular, vociferously anti-Trump. And one of the news channels that is known to give Donald Trump a bit more of a fair hearing, you might say, or at least fairer than the other side, is of course Fox News. Fox News is not without its problems. It's not without its criticisms. I don't even watch Fox News myself. (laughs) But Sean Hannity, for example, is known to be a big supporter of Fox News, and the CNNs and the MSNBCs constantly attack Donald Trump's relationship with Fox News. They say it's unethical. Got a story here from the Daily Beast. Fox News got Stormy Daniels' story before Trump's election spiked it, report. In a far-reaching New Yorker expose titled The Making of the Fox News White House, published Monday, Jane Mayer dissects the often incestuous relationship between Trump White House and Fox News. Fox News sat on story about Trump's payoff to Stormy Daniels. Mayer's juiciest bit may may just be one that Fox just passed on. Fox News passed on. Diana Falzone, who often covered the entertainment industry, had obtained proof that Trump had engaged in a sexual relationship in 2006 with pornographic film actress calling herself Stormy Daniels. Yes, they're blowing the dust off that fossil one more time. But on this occasion, it's to attack Fox News. Not necessarily Donald Trump. Remember, they're trying to isolate him from all support. She says Falzone had even confirmed it with Daniels through Gina Rodriguez, Daniels' manager at the time, and with Daniels' former husband, Mike Mose, who she says described multiple calls from Trump. This is proof now. Falzone had also amassed emails between Daniels' attorney and Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, detailing a proposed cash settlement, accompanied by a non-disclosure agreement. Falzone had even seen the contract, Maya writes. CNN had previously reported that Falzone's story was squashed by Fox. Quote, it kept being passed off from one editor to the next, one non-committal answer after another from her editors. The Fox News reporter finally heard from Ken LaCourt, who was then the head of foxnews.com. Maya quotes Falzone saying that LaCourt said to her, good reporting, kiddo, but Rupert wants Donald Trump to win. So just let it go. A convenient quote. But now all of a sudden, people at Fox News are a little bit weary about openly supporting Donald Trump. From Newsweek, Fox News host Sean Hannity should be subpoenaed over Cohen information revealed during Trump interview. Ex-federal prosecutor. 
An ex-federal prosecutor this week had, has said Fox News host Sean Hannity should be subpoenaed after he made comments about President Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, who just testified before Congress. Do you see what's happening here? You cannot be a commentator anymore unless you are coming from a certain side of the story. Intimidation, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, these are the very same people who say that Donald Trump attacks the free press. Mimi Roker, this is the article, a former federal prosecutor with the Southern District of New York on Thursday tweeted a response to a post from Wall Street Journal reporter Rebecca Bellhouse about payments made by the president to women alleging they had an affair with him. Bellhouse posted a quote from Fox, the Fox News host tweeting, Sean Hannity to Trump in tonight's interview on Michael Cohen and the hush money payments. I can tell you personally, he said to me at least a dozen times that he made the decision on the payments and he didn't tell you. And now the Southern District of New York wants to drag Sean Hannity in, subpoena him, put him in front of a judge. What do you know? Tell us about your personal interactions with Michael Cohen and Donald Trump. We heard the other day from Chris Christie that the Southern District of New York is apparently allegedly trying to build a case to indict President Trump the day he leaves office. If you thought the Democrats needed more motivation, more anger, more outrage, more juice to get out there and try to remove Donald Trump in 2020, there it is. There it is. So while the Democrats in Congress are seeking 21, 51, 61, I mean, all the talk over the last couple of years about sealed indictments, where's that now, right? Because it appears the only things being investigated are Trump's personal personal assistance dealings with Russian secretaries 25 years ago. His business dealings back to the early, the late 1970s, early 80s. And his conversations with TV talk show hosts. For what? To uncover corruption, to uncover some crime, to uncover an obstruction of justice? Or to win an election. People might say, that's ridiculous. There's no way. Nobody believes the fake news anymore. Really? Really? Think about it. Every single conceivable possible day. The Democrats putting new witnesses up on the stand asking for more documents, taking things out of context, blowing up quotes, misrepresenting things, mischaracterizing people every single day until election day. The late, great Andrew Breitbart once spoke about the need in news and the, the reason that the press is the way it is, is it's not so much about finding truth, it's about denying your opponent's oxygen. Filling the space. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. Doesn't matter if it's correct or not. Doesn't matter if it's accurate or not. Attack, 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 attack. 
fill every column with an attack so your opponent can't get their story out there. One more quick one here from Salon. Donald Trump's CPAC speech was completely unhinged. Why didn't the media cover it that way? (laughs) You see, it's not even good enough just to report that Donald Trump made a speech. You have to attack him. Mainstream media is downplaying Trump's bizarre two-hour CPAC rant. Have they seriously learned nothing from 2016? They need to be more vocal. More angry. On Saturday, Donald Trump was scheduled to give a speech at the annual Conservative Political Action Conference. What the audience got, however, can hardly be described as a speech. Instead, Trump unleashed a two-hour-plus rant that sounded, at times, more like the delusional ramblings of someone hopped up on drugs or suffering a mental breakdown than anything resembling a normal political speech. Everybody loved Trump's speech who was there, apparently. The few people that I've spoken to who were actually there said it was magnificent. It was like Trump of old. It was like Trump on the campaign trail once again. Back to the article. If that sounds like an exaggeration informed by partisan bias, seriously, it's not. Trump kicked the thing off by hugging the American flag, and that might have been the least strange part of the whole spectacle. Reporters Daniel Dale of the Toronto Star and Aaron Rupar of Vox live-tweeted the, the whole thing and captured for those of us who can't stand watching the president monologue for two hours how straight-up weird the whole event was, even by Trumpian standards. So this author is admitting that they didn't even watch it themselves. You thought the truth mattered? <laughs> you thought accuracy was the name of the game? Trump pinged wildly from topic to topic, ranting about how the Democrats want to take away electricity and murder newborns. He engaged in a lengthy rape fantasy about how female immigrants take, quote, massive amounts of birth control because they supposedly get raped so much. He also veered into peculiar personal anecdotes, such as the one about how a rich friend of his, who he assured the audience is very famous, is afraid of public speaking. And of course, he raved about how unfair it is that he's under investigation for possible criminal conspiracy with Russian intelligence to throw the election and whined about how it should be easier for him to obstruct justice. The author then posts a couple of headlines. Trump lets loose at CPAC. In a fiery CPAC speech, Trump blasts Democrats' Mueller probe. Trump delivers scorched earth as he tries to regain footing. But listen to this analysis. The actual articles under those headlines aren't much better, describing the event as, quote, a largely unscripted, wide-ranging speech and, quote, the longest speech of his presidency to date, or even a, quote, slashing speech packed with braggadocio and grievance. But not really capturing how wild the whole thing was. Readers might get that the speech was long or dishonest or incredibly incendiary, but not how disjointed and frankly unhinged it was. (laughs) Somebody who didn't even read the speech, going off tweets from somebody who watched it from who works for Vox, 
telling you what's unhinged, what's real, what's not, what's fake, what's fantasy. So as we sit here on Monday night, Tuesday morning, the Democrats going into phase two of their remove Donald Trump agenda. Remember when people said losing the House wasn't a big deal? Do you remember that? Ah, what's, who cares? What's the difference? The House is nothing. Don't worry about the House. Who cares about the House? And some of us said, well, although the House might not have the same power that the Senate does, they, they can still do things to make your life miserable. How about bringing in person after person, document after document, every single day, right up until election day? To build a story for the large mass of people in the middle who don't really care that much about politics, get their politics from 30-second soundbites on the news, or by reading a headline and, and one paragraph on an article that somebody sends them on Facebook. Putting the cart before the horse. And then for the few people that do stand up and support the president in the press, well, let's let's make them corrupt too. Let's subpoena them too. Let's bring them in. Intimidate Trump's inner circle. Castrate the surrogates in the press. If you thought you were having fun up until this point, then guess again, ladies and gentlemen, you better strap in. As I said at the end of 2018, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're on, 20, the, sh- the shit is absolutely going to hit the fan in 2019. And right now I can see a few people warming up their throwing arm. that guys if you'd like to become a supporter of the show please head over to patreon.com and become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player and of course if you would like to isolate me you can do so on twitter at boogie bumper till next time stay calm stay rational god bless we'll see you soon bye bye